Thanks for finding Organic Matters again. We're going to do an opinion today. It's, it's, I've, I've, I happen to be very happy with the amount of money, or at least that we put some real money back into climate plants, climate change. But with all that, we've still got to consider that there's got to be basically a new industrial revolution to really, really make this thing work. And so I'm going to talk about that. I got a lot of this opinion from uh, uh, Charles Sable and another guy, a guy named David Victor. I'm going to throw in, of course, <clears throat> my two cents worth or more and uh, give you some food for thought. We've got a good start coming. We've got some real money put in there finally, 20 years too late or 30 years too late. But at least we've got somebody trying. So let's, let's talk about this. The U.S. climate plan is historic and is going to pump folks billions of dollars into advancing the transition away from fossil fuels. It's time, which is too late almost, but it's not too late. Let's get it done. But a more far-reaching, innovative approach is needed to push forward the radical new technologies that we're going to have to have, have to have, to really decarbonize this world and, which incidentally will decarbonize our economy. Global warming lies still in front of us. That's because nearly all of the money of the $369 billion now, that's B, billion, plan will be spent on technologies that America itself already knows how to employ, such as solar farms, making buildings more efficient, and developing networks of electric vehicle charging systems, all of which I've talked about several times. The mismatch between what the spending plan is set to achieve and what's needed reflects two contrasting theories, two different concepts about how to clean up the United States economy and assure American leadership on the climate itself. One theory, always present, is a new bill and in much of the enthusiasm for it is about incentives. All firms and households need is the extra cash such as tax credits to induce them to switch to cleaner technologies. Money talks, folks. Even better, according to this theory, if you, if you follow it, are penalties like pollution taxes. If you do bad, you pay for it. But the climate bill has a few of those because sticks are a lot more toxic politically than carrots are. That just makes sense. What we really need to look at now, what is needed is industry policy that pushes companies and the government to test radically new solutions. The incentives approach works well when the range of workable technological solution is reasonably well known and the market, left to its own optimizings, it'll do it on itself, can figure the best choices. Renewable power is a good example. The cost of wind and solar generations have tumbled for decades. And as they get less costly, of course, more will be deployed. Tax credits, which the new spending bill will extend reliably for the next decade, it looks like, hopefully, make these projects even cheaper and easier to finance, which helps companies put even more wind and solar into service for us all. But let's take a look at maybe what, me, what could be a better theory of change, all right, and it sees it as global warming is a different kind of problem. One that involves not just de deploying known cleaner technologies, but also, and, and more fundamentally, I might ask, expanding the range of technological choices and social arrangements where current solutions just won't do it yet. 
or haven't done it. This means not making changes at the margin, say by switching from dirty to cleaner fuel, but reconceiving, rethinking re about industrial production, agriculture, and service provision to avoid or drastically reduce, if possible, pollution in the first place. Yet investments in new production models and organizations to operate them are usually large and risky. It's a big, it's a big move. Companies, even with much more substantial tax credits and other incentives that are on the bill, is just not going to do it. They're just not going to do it on their own. That money is still what they're looking at. So the question is, how do we go about that? What's needed, it, it, to me, my idea, is a real industrial policy that pushes the firms and the governments, not just ours, worldwide, to test radically new solutions. That approach would combine subsidies, support services, and regulation to set new floors for acceptable behavior as performance gets better, as it improves. For example, one way to make deep cuts in emissions from many industries is switching from natural gas to hydrogen. It's coming, folks. Be patient which will require innovations in the process for producing the hydrogen, pipeline design is going to have to change, and fuel storage, as well as new technologies to use hydrogen in new ways. One considered is long-distance trucking. The whole economy at some point is going to have to be transformed. Fortunately, the new spending plan takes at least some steps in that direction, but they are likely to succeed only if coordinated with other initiatives. Incentives to produce hydrogen, which is a part of this bill already, must be linked to an infrastructure finding, funding, and link, linking it to investments in radical innovation in new hydrogen technologies, which is just around the corner. The Department of Energy already has the capacity to do this using tools that they've already built, like loan guarantee programs. Of course, you have to think about this. Many attempts to build the needed new industries are going to fail. This, this is how we get along, folks. Uh, you learn from your failures. When there is success, it will be disruptive to those who struggle to adopt it, to work for it. Thus, policy must be designed to help companies take big risk while also opening industry space to the new entrants as, they, as they're developed, as they come along. That means big spending programs targeted at novel ideas. In other words, experiments. It often requires penalties that punish companies that don't act once better solutions have been demonstrated and translated into working standards. And it requires, often, a collaboration across companies so the risk can be spread out and the best ideas from all these experiments are identified quickly and then put into action. Since I'm a pilot in the past, let's use aviation as a good example. Today, many airlines and their suppliers know they need to get serious about climate change. But in practice, they are selecting the least disruptive technological options, such as new fuels that are drop-in replacements for jet fuel. Uh, the new name is Sustainable Aviation Fuels. Okay, and, and of course, they get carbon offsets for that. That response is, is an understandable thing. That's gotta, we've got to go through that phase. Airlines today don't have many other options, but it's unlikely to allow deep reductions in aviation's actual impact on, the, on climate, which incidentally is 2 or 3%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but add that up. Today, 
Those SAFs may not scale beyond the, the tiny role in aviation fuel supply, and there is a mounting evidence that nearly all offsets don't actually represent real reductions at all. Government, along with industry leaders, needs to make a real active investment in a wider range of options, such as new kinds of, of fuels over and above that what we've ever thought of. One, for instance, is, is what we're studying is based on algae that is genetically modified that can scale up quickly and, and produce usable energy and propulsion systems that don't need liquid hydrocarbon fuels, fossil fuels at all. For instance, again, electricity or hydrogen. At this point in our history, folks, there's about 10 major industries from plastics to steel to air travel and to electric power itself that account for the majority of the greenhouse gas emissions. In each of these sectors, this kind of disruptive industrial policy is going to have to come about. It's going to be needed. Electricity, by far, is the most important because every serious vision for cutting emissions looks like it involves electrifying as much of the economy as practical and then cutting emissions from the power sector itself. The power industry can keep making some progress by, be, by deploying more and more wind and solar, which is at some point going to, along the way, become a third of the act's total spending that we now have will flow. It's going to go there first, while keeping many of the nation's nuclear power plants right now still running. I'm not crazy about nuclear, but I'm also, I do think it's, it's especially those that are already built, do serve their purpose. But real deep decarbonization of electricity will require much more to push the technological frontier. Where, where's it going to go? And to learn how new technologies can be applied in, in the real world, in practice. Let's cut to the chase here a little bit. This way of viewing the, uh, the climate problem is what I, as, as one that requires it. what we need is experimentalism and industrial transformation. And that has big implications, not just for our national policy, but also how to think about international cooperation. Climate change shouldn't be thought of as a giant global commons problem where the right incentives at the margin must be created in every economy around the world. But uh, uh, Rather, though, it should be viewed as a problem whose global solution will emerge from little clusters of early movers, people that get rolling, governments and companies involved both, that create industrial, let's call it revolutions, sector by sector, one piece at a time. Those revolutions push the, the, the frontier itself of technology and create a, uh, we'll call it a familiarity, you get used to it for better performance of the new industries. And in doing that, they make it risky for governments and firms not to join in the effort because they don't want to be left behind. It just makes sense. So although this $370 billion climate bill wasn't designed really for experimentalism, a big dose of experimentalist thinking, that kind of thought, I call it science, can guide what happens next. In closing the thoughts on this, first and foremost, the White House itself must build a system of monitoring how the bill is put into practice. How are we going to use that money? It is uh, great for me. There's a guy named John Podesta that I follow. He's a veteran of both government and climate policy, and he has been tapped. He's been taken to help oversee the process. Following the mindset of incentives, the bill's biggest programs work through tax credits. 
Fortunately, well, hopefully, will be managed by the Internal Revenue Service, an organization not designed for industrial policy at all at best. The IRS could do a good job of making sure tax credits follow standard accounting practices, hmm. but it can't steer the tax code to encourage companies to select diverse technologies or evaluate performance on their own. I think regular reviews from the outside, okay, uh, people that are not directly involved, for instance, the National Academy of Sciences, could help fill in those gaps and examine how this new spending tool works and together with, in tandem with other spending plans, such as last year's bipartisan infrastructure bill that, that was also pushed money into new technology. To date, these spending bills have spawned a huge effort to push the money out the door, get it going, not engage in just systematic checking. If we get political for one minute, folks, the new climate bill is an opportunity to help rebuild America's industry, but only with the right kind of implementation and the right theory of change. Our economic competitors already know that, folks, which is why they all are advancing clean industrial strategies that don't just create incentives to do more of the same in other words, in other areas, such as reversing the nation's slippage in production of advanced computer chips, which we did. We're trying to bring that back too. Congress has acted in ways designed to transform industries now, now. The new legislation must do the same thing for our climate. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Mm -hmm.